I see from Facebook that people have been on nice sort of maybe local holidays this year um, and um, maybe have been missing some of the more sunnier jaunts um, to uh, Europe and beyond. But I want to tell you about Dave and um, my first international trip together to um, Bilbao in Spain. Um, well, it was supposed to be um, in to Bilbao. Um, when we were close to landing, the captain um, made an announcement that due to bad weather, we were diverted to Santiago de Compostela. And so not being experts in Spanish geography, we weren't too sure what that would mean for our trip. We were only going to be there a couple of days. And when it was made, the announcement was made in Spanish, the Spanish people on the plane reacted very strongly to this diversion. So it turns out that Bilbao, so if you look at that map, is in the top right-hand corner of Spain on the border with France. And so it turns out Santiago de Compostela is 370 miles from Bilbao on the left-hand side, just above Portugal. And the airline were gonna put us on a six-hour bus journey to get to Bilbao. So as we were only staying a few days, we kicked into action and ended up staying in Santiago. And we had a lovely time. I have some photographs for you of our trip to um, Santiago. It's a beautiful city, 13th century cathedral. Um, the tapas is amazing. Um, and we even got to play the Spanish equivalent of the 2P machines. As you can see, there's Dave um, trying his luck. Um, that was before I turned them grey. Um, but um, the city is really popular because it is at the end of the Camino de Santiago, or in English, the Way of St. James. And this is a network of pilgrimages in France and Spain that lead ultimately to the shrine of St. James, which is in the cathedral, James being the Jesus brother. And the most popular route stretches nearly 500 miles from near Biarritz um, in France to Santiago. So Dave and I effectively completed the Camino without walking a single step. Um, and people have walked this pilgrimage since medieval times. There have been documentaries and films made about it. And there's lots of books and internet sites um, documenting people's experience of walking the Camino. So I just want to share with you one person's story. It took me seven weeks to complete, and with immense gratitude in my heart, I, was, I am also able to say that I walked every step of the way. I walked into Santiago with an immense sense of peace settling around my heart. Every day it terrified me that I would not be able to finish. Not once did I take it for granted that I would. Sometimes we start out and cannot finish, and sometimes we complete what we were meant to do. All that occurs speaks to us about who we are and what our priorities in life are. I took each step aware of my human weakness and with a prayer that somehow I would overcome them and that I would make the journey to Santiago. I feel forever blessed that I walked this path and I intend to honor its lessons all the days that I walk this earth. So it's clear to see whilst this person and Dave and I had reached the same destination, their experience of getting to Santiago was way more meaningful than ours. And Eugene Peterson um, comments that sometimes we can treat following Jesus like that of being a tourist, visiting when we have enough free time, wanting to experience only the high points and fun. 
But unfortunately, the tourist trail is not the way of Jesus. He has been quite upfront about his path. He calls it the narrow way. And I love the message version, paraphrase of Psalm 7. It says, don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life, to God, is vigorous and requires total attention. Following Jesus is not just about the final destination. destination. It's as much about the, uh, the way that we get there. And it has similarities with a pilgrimage like the Camino, rather than Dave and I comfortably arriving at the end of it. We are on a walk with a purpose. And Paul describes this purpose in Philippians 3 verse 10, and I love it in the Amplified version. So stick with me with this a wee bit. For my determined purpose is that I may know him, Jesus, that I may become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may, in that same way, come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection. To know Jesus, we have to spend time being with him, then we will become like him and do what he did. And this isn't something that is done quickly, easily, or all at once. This is a faithful, slow, creative, prayerful, obedient walk, which Eugene Peterson describes as a long obedience in the same direction. One of my favorite parts of the Bible um, are the Psalms of Ascent. And no matter what part of the road I'm on, I find encourage and challenge in, in, challenge in them to keep me going. And these are 15 short Psalms that you can find between 120 and 134. And these were sung by the Israelites on their way to the three great feasts in Jerusalem. They're not songs for tourists um, on their way to see the sights and safely take in the local culture but they are pilgrim songs sung on their way to be with God in the temple. And they're called the Psalms of Ascent because physically Jerusalem was the highest city in Palestine. And so everyone who traveled there spent much of their time ascending. But the ascent was also not only literal, but a metaphor. The trip to Jerusalem acted out a life lived upward toward God. And Paul goes on to say in Philippians 3 and verse 14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward. So how do we continue to press on upwards, especially when the road can be challenging? Every one of us will find that life takes unexpected twists and turns. We find ourselves in places or situations we hadn't planned on being in. We encounter obstacles, we get stuck, we even get bored with the same old path we've been walking for a while, or we end up in a global pandemic, as we all have done. So what will help us keep to the way of Jesus? And I want to share with you a few things today from the Psalms of Ascent that are sustaining me as I walk the way of Jesus. About two years ago, I started to really struggle. I wasn't feeling my, like myself, and I was becoming increasingly anxious. My job was becoming a burden that was getting heavier and was weighing me down. I wanted out and quickly, 
and couldn't understand why God wasn't taking me a different way. I felt bent over. But as I continued to walk the same road to work every day, God helped me to find a freedom that a change of situation alone never would. And that freedom came through worship. Every day I would put on my headphones, put on some worship music and invited Jesus to walk with me to work. And as I walked, I started lifting my head and I realized how amazing and expansive the sky was, how the mountain in front of me looked different each day and it was an actual physical mountain, not a metaphorical one. And the burden began to get a bit lighter. Psalm 121. I look up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And I used to recite this as I walked. I thank God for who he is, declared that he is bigger than the situation I found myself in. He is the maker of heaven and earth. Sometimes I was even raising my hand as I walked. So if you'd saw me walking up the Grosvenor Road on a, on a morning, that was me, the weirdo, raising her hand. So this is the section of audience participation. Don't worry. If you can, can you all have a wee look down for me? So just look down. So what do you see? Probably see mainly yourself and maybe your breakfast from this morning. So now look up. What do you see? You maybe see the ceiling, you see windows, paintings. You get a wider perspective on the room than when you um, were looking down. And it's so easy to become consumed by whatever life um, circumstances we find ourselves in that it becomes all we can see. And worship is a way of lifting our heads so we can see Jesus and it puts our struggles, our challenges and everything else in its place. I love this quote from John Ortberg. I need to worship because without it, I can forget that I have a big God beside me and live in fear. I need to worship because without it, I can forget his calling and begin to live in a spirit of self-preoccupation. I need to worship because without it, I lose a sense of wonder and gratitude and plod through life with blinders on. I need to worship because my natural tendency is towards self-reliance and stubborn independence. And unlike the Israelites who walked to Jerusalem to worship God in the temple, we can do it anywhere. In our homes, at church gatherings like this, or life group, on the bus, even walking along the Grosvenor Road in Belfast. If we're going to keep walking purposely with Jesus, to keep focused on whose way it really is, we need to worship. Okay, I want to read... Um, anyone to raise their hand if you've had the pleasure and pain of doing the Duke of Edinburgh expedition. Oh, quite a few of you. Love it. Yep. So for those that haven't, this expedition involves you walking in the middle of nowhere for a number of days, going up mountains, in valleys, but mainly through shucks is really the best way to describe that. Um, and it might surprise you to know that I have my bronze, silver and gold awards. I know it's really, it is a shocker. Like, um, so that means I have done a total of six expeditions. And the thing that is key to surviving an expedition isn't your well-planned route. It isn't having the right equipment. It isn't even waterproofing 
every last millimeter of your pack, although very important. It's the group you do it with. You need your team to share the load, to keep your spirits up and pull you out of shucks after laughing at you, at you of course. Um, Psalm 133 says, how good and pleasant it is when brothers, or when God's people live together in unity. I was going old school there. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It's as if, it's as if the dew of Mount Hermon, or the, of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing even life forevermore. We are not on a solo expedition. We follow the way of Jesus with others. Like on Duke of Edinburgh expeditions, we need each other's strengths to compensate for our weaknesses. We need encouragement and support, and we need help to get out of life shucks. Just like worship, we need a community of other believers. When you decided to follow Jesus, you became part of his family. And a wiser person than me once said, no Christian is an only child. But that doesn't mean that we are one big happy family. When we become Christians, we don't suddenly become perfect people. And in fact, a lot of our original selves can linger on for a long time. And this can cause all manner of tension, awkwardness, and conflict. But the question we need to ask ourselves is not, am I going to be part of a community following Jesus, but rather how am I gonna be part of a community following Jesus? And Psalm 133 shows us two ways to help us and how we can walk in the way of Jesus together. Verse two uses the symbolism of the anointing oil used to mark someone as a priest in the Old Testament. And Jesus has anointed us, his followers, with his Holy Spirit to be a royal priesthood, to do the work of serving one another, supporting each other, sharing God's word with each other for the purposes of encouraging um, each other and building each other up on the journey. Verse three uses the dew falling from Mount Hermon to communicate fresh and expectant newness. We are to believe and expect that with every new day, there is possibility and growth available for each person in God's family, that God has something fresh for our brothers and sisters, and we get to join them in praying and seeking God for it. And I find this so challenging, and I'm talking to as much myself as I am to you guys, because it's so much easier to criticize than encourage. It's easier to write someone off than keep believing in God's possibility for them. As we walk the way of Jesus together, let's do what Paul asked the Thessalonian church to do. So speak encouraging words to one another. Build up hope so you'll all be together in this. No one left out. No one left behind. I know you're already doing this. Just keep on doing it. If we continue to be a community like this, as Psalm 133 points out, that is where we'll experience God's blessing and we'll all be happier hikers for it. The Psalms of Ascent are songs for in-between times. You've left one place behind and are not yet in your ultimate destination. And this past year and a half is a great example of being in-between times. But this can come at any stage 
in our walk with Jesus, when life is tough, when things have got a bit repetitive and samey, when we're not seeing any purpose in the place that we are in. And Psalm 126 has shaped my prayers over the past year and a half, and we're going to read it together in a minute. The psalm encourages us to get our bearings, remembering what God has done up to this point, being clear about where we are now, and encouraging us to move forward in the direction of God. And I took time over this past year to do those three things to get my bearings. And my walk with Jesus has taken an unexpected turn. I left my stable job on the wide way, and I am now on a wilder, narrower, more unfamiliar section of my walk with Jesus. And it's really fun. I need worship to put things in their proper place. I need a community to encourage and be encouraged by. And I need to stop at times and get my bearings to keep going forward. This has been a quick trip through the Psalms of Ascent. um, And it's sort of like a tour from a cruise ship. You know, gives you a taster, so you'll decide to spend some proper time there at a future date. And I would really encourage you to go away and look at Psalms 120 to 134 and spend more time in them. But what I want to do is use Psalm 126 to shape our ministry time together. I believe that God wants to give us some space right now to help us get our bearings and then to send us off again on the way of Jesus with a renewed sense of purpose. So we're going to read Psalm 126 together using an ancient method called Lectio Divina, and we've talked about that in church before. And this is just a way to read the Bible slowly and prayerfully. And I'm going to read the psalm three times with a short silence at the end of each time. And don't worry, I'll give you instructions as we go. don't want to give you too much up front. But I just... I would really recommend that you just try and get yourself comfortable and free from as much distraction as possible. You might want to close your eyes and put out your hands. But if you're a visual learner like me, the words are going to be on the screen. So I'm just going to pray right now. So Holy Spirit, I just ask you to come. Yeah, help us tune into what you're saying. Yeah, thank you for this space. It seemed like a dream, too good to be true, when God returned Zion's exiles. We laughed, we sang, we couldn't believe our good fortune. We were the talk of the nations. God was wonderful to them. God was wonderful to us. We are one happy people. And now, God, do it again. Bring rains to our drought-stricken lives so those who planted their crops in despair will shout yes at the harvest. So those who went off with heavy hearts will come home laughing with armloads of blessing.
So the next time I read this, just keep an eye out for a word or a phrase that maybe jumps out at you. It seemed like a dream, too good to be true, when God returned Zion's exiles. We laughed, we sang, we couldn't believe our good fortune. We were the talk of the nations. God was wonderful to them. God was wonderful to us. We are one happy people. And now, God, do it again. Bring rains to our drought-stricken lives, to those who planted their crops in despair, will shout yes at the harvest. So those who went off with heavy hearts will come home laughing with armloads of blessing. So whatever phrase or word jumped out at you, just turn it over in your mind right now. Asking God, what is it about that word or phrase? seemed like a dream, too good to be true, when God returned Zion's exiles. We laughed, we sang, we couldn't believe our good fortunes. We were the talk of the nations. God was wonderful to them. God was wonderful to us. We are one happy people. And now, God, do it again. Bring rains to our drought-stricken lives. So those who planted their crops in despair will shout yes at the harvest. So those who went off with heavy hearts will come home laughing with armloads of blessing. Yeah, Father, through these words now, will you just reveal to each person what you're saying through this psalm? Um, 